Hello, my name's Ian Austin, and this is the first ever episode of Friday Night Fright, and also, concordantly, the season two premiere of my horror podcast, Isn't That Wizard? Obviously came about because, officially, we stopped being Friday Night Shudder as of the 30th of December 2018, so now we're fully embracing Friday Night Fright, which is new name for the podcast, and it's a bright step forward been an amazing journey so far but season two is going to be incredible i already have a really cool awesome new cover-up by jess tims on unsplash and we're going to have some great fun this is season two episode one guys this is season premiere year two i guess you'd say this season's going to run all year and wrap up at last friday of december and then season three will start next year but that's a bit too far in future for now go cracking selection stuff for you on this episode we got first issue of first edition of Hannibal Watch which is a live recap of every episode of Hannibal TV series plus movies at some point I'm sure we have the movie re- half a movie recap of the week in which case I'll be recapping the re- watch the movie do a few notes and then I'll read notes and sort of a recappy thing for that and we've also got a bunch of stuff. We've got the one minute horror review, which it's very unlikely to actually last exactly one minute or under one minute for that matter. We have the opening of the first ever Friday Night Fright box. It's not an actual product, I should assure you, because don't want anyone be concerned about that. But that box will be open nonetheless. And a bunch of other stuff. I'm sure I'll get um, into a bit of rants about horror stuff and all that. But for now... We've begun season two, yay! And if you're listening on Anger, and you should be, it's the best podcast platform by far, if you're listening directly on Anger, you'll get a new theme tune as well. Awesome! Not available on other platforms for legal reasons, and that I mean, I've got right. <laughs> but you can listen to it if you select the Anger option when I submit this podcast for your viewing attention, you get the theme tune. But tune then, remember. We fright on Friday night, y'all. Do you like Fridays? Do you like nights? And rhetorically, do you like frights? Well, if you like all three of those, and you like word box, why don't you get a Friday Night Fright box? The latest thing in horror movie memorabilia and assorted horror crap. You'll find inside each box free items of merit and or value, which cannot be exchanged for money and or goods. You'll find in each box your dreams come true. As long as your dreams are for a bunch of overpriced horror memorabilia that may not be legally accurate. If you would like a Friday Night Fright box, send an email to iaustin.ian at gmail.com. That's iaustin.ian at gmail.com. Later in this episode, I will be opening a Friday Night Fright box. And you will see what is inside a Friday Night Fright box. So until then, remember, we fright on Friday nights.
Disclaimer, this is not an actual product. There is nothing in the box. There is no box. The box never existed. Anyway, it's time for our first part of our first episode of season two. <laughs> so we start outside sirens wailing, bloodline in floor, bloodline in security card thingy, and a boy being stuffed away, and a woman instead. And there's Wade Graham, our protagonist, yay! It's Hangful Watch episode one, guys! Wade Graham stood there as the police do their forensic stuff. He looks like a deer in headlights, which is the default expression for this actor. Pulsating heartbeat as the fwoom, fwoom clock ticking thingy goes past the screen to transition that we're into Graham mode. And oh, everyone disappears because he's going to imagine himself as the killer. Yay! Graham, 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 Golden Graham's. Golden Graham. He looks and the blood's disappearing. It's going backwards. Yay! He looks like the blood's going off the security monitor. Alarm thing. Yay! And Wade Graham's like, hmm, if I had murdered these people, how would I have done it? Well, I would start by walking backwards out of the house, back and back. The door shut. And now I walk back down steps because I literally have to go backwards to understand what's going on. He walks past the cops. They're all stood around. Sirens blaring. Oh, and he's going back, back, back. And they disappeared. And it's a beautiful sunny tableau. And he's outside. Yay. Oh, no, because he's about to imagine he's merging all his people. This is the only difficult part about Graham mode. It's like Brie mode from WWE where she gets drunk and re ornery. It's like he imagines he's murdering a bunch of people. He storms the house. Oh man, storms, storms, storms. He kicks the door in. House alarm blares and... Bang! And he shoots, bang! Shoots husband who does a slow motion flip on the stairs. He shoots him twice, severing jugglers and cartoids near social position. Who die watching me take his away from him? <gasps> no, Graham, not this way. It's his design, apparently. The wife sobs, trying to work house alarm, but can't. And we, Graham... Oh, right in the neck. Oh, nasty precision shot. She falls down in slow motion. Shoots, shot her through the neck. It's not a fatal wound. The bullets miss every artery. I don't think you'd be that precise. But she's paralysed anyway. But can still feel pain. Oh, you nasty, nasty, nasty man, Mr. Graham. Apparently, this is his design. Blood everywhere. And then he turns the alarm. Ooh, ooh. Nasty, nasty, nasty boy, that Graham. The security team calls up and he... Oh, we're back to actual reality. He needs instant report. And he flips through it. And... He finds it's recorded as a false alarm. Ooh, tense. I should add, no, I'm going to be sarcastic while doing these next watches, but I love this show, and it's part of the reason I wanted to do Friday Night Fright as a new thing, because I won't record stuff like Hannibal. I love this show. Apparently, the um, murderer recorded Miss Marlowe's voice and then replayed it.
It's really messed up. Brian Fuller's a really good writer. But also, um, Thomas Harris, who wrote the book. Oh, man, like... Oh. Oh, that's disgusting. I don't like that stuff. I don't like... Um, the concept of raping horror movies just uh, creep or books or enemies creeps me out. It's the one thing I it's that and um the lesser extent Killy's tendon tears. Oh, just they both just I don't like them. It's not I don't think they should, I think you can do them, but you need to be careful. So we was teaching a class um about, you know, designs. And everyone's probably thinking, do we're, we're cops, but we really don't want to see how much blood. And Lord Fishburne's alive, and he's trying to recruit Jack. Oh, he's trying to recruit Wee Graham for his um the some instruction on how Blair Coppin says moving. Wee Graham's still like, no, I I'd rather not. We really pretending you're with the FBI. Yes, I'm Jack Crawford, and Wee Graham doesn't look convinced. Jack's trying to get him out of his shit and trying to get him to audition for more roles. Wee Graham's like, no, no, I, I, I'm a teacher. And also, I used to be a police officer, but I don't want any part of your movie-making scheme. So then Jack touches his glasses and asks, where do you form the spectrum? And we're like, we're close to Asperger's and autistics, and narcissists and sociopaths. Apparently, they're here because we, Graham, can emphasise with narcissists and sociopaths. Like, well, I can emphasise with anybody. I'm, I'm, I'm such a nice guy. I, I have very active imagination. And Lawrence Fishman's like, I, I'd like to borrow it, you know, for, for a movie. For, for a movie I'm making. Um, I, I need to make a movie. He starts talking about how eight women were abducted. There were seven, but now there are eight. Three minutes before he walked into the lecture hall... Wee Graham doesn't really seem to want to deal with Lance Fishburne, but Lance Fishburne's very insistent that he would, they would discuss this. And he would respect that Lance Fishburne is deep, deep, deep in method acting. Apparently, all these women were adopted on Fridays when women have to be reported to Monday. Oh, it's like when a horse rode in town named... In town, when man rode in town on Friday and left on Friday, seven days, six days later... And it's about horse named Friday. I don't think everything's women be named Friday, but you never know. Apparently, none of them made... last one didn't make home. She was cat-sitting. We want to do a profile, and Lawrence Fishman's like, we'll focus on at least Nichols. And we grams are like, um, yeah, okay, they, they, they're they all more of America. I don't know what that means. Wind-chafed skin, same hair colour, same eye colour. Probably roughly the same age, same height, same weight. I I I I don't think we Graham's be listening to Lawrence Fishburne. Like Lawrence Fishburne has played a lot of cops in a lot of movies, but I don't think he's one to be taking point on this operation. And I was discussing candy bars for some reason. And golden tickets. Is this is this a sequel to Charlie Chopin Battery? Because that's a fucking horror movie. Woo Graham is trying to get in mind for the killing. So like, no, no, go go speak Heimlich, Harvard or Bloom at wherever the fuck she works. And Jack Longsister is like, no, it has to be you. You're the one I have to go to for this movie role. And Woo Graham's like, no, 
No, go go to enough psychiatrist. I literally have. I'm halfway between Asperger's and autistic. You don't want me, because I'm not sociable. And Lord Fishwood's like, the fuck? Just let me fill your mind. So we, Jack, oh, Lord Fishburn is in an office with Woo Graham and the parents. And they were like, the parents are like, well, she was, she's very interior. She she loved her interiors. She, she, she liked interiors. And Lance Fishburne's like, I I had a set list of questions that I could ask. I'm having them more. And when parents start talking about trains, Lance Fishburne's like, yeah, she fits profile. These parents are really nice for humouring this actor, you know? It's like, 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 there's this actor in front of them and this guy behind them, or two sides of them, is staring at this play cabinet who... And then Wee Graham blurts out, how's the cat? And Lance Fishburne's like, cat, I knew there's something I was missing. Fucking knew it. And Wee Graham's like, was, was cat weird when he came home? Was Apparently it didn't eat all weekend. And father's like, I don't, I don't give a shit. It's fucking cat. What's that have to do with anything? Well, he's like, the details. The details, Lawrence. The details. Lawrence is like, I, I need to speak to this man in private because I'm not a cop and he's he's really, really autistic. So this is not a good investigation. <laughs> they, um, So Wee Graham's like, well, he took her from here, clearly. Lawrence Fishburne's like, what? She, we explained, she got on train, she came home, she fed cat. And then he took her. And Lawrence Fishburne's like, yeah, um, uh, right, okay, I'll make a call. <laughs> he calls his agent, try and get out of it. <laughs> no, no, he calls um, he calls the cops. It's like I want, I want the, the forensics, and I want a photographer. And that father asks if it's crime scene, and we're like, I see your daughter's room, and dad's like, no, <laughs> no, you can't. And we're like, please. <laughs> so he puts on some gloves, and we go upstairs. And cat's by your door. It's like meow, meow. And we're like. Wants going and father's like, no. And Wee's like, put your fucking hands in your pockets. Don't touch anything and don't touch me. Don't look at me. The dad's like, we, there's nothing there. And Wee's like, just, just hold the cat, mate, okay? Please. And we walks in and the body's in bed. She's in bed dead. The dad tries going, and Wiz's like, no, no, you need to take the cat downstairs. Cat, cat's hungry, you need to take the cat downstairs. And cat runs away, and dad's like, no, but I've lost the cat, and I've lost the lease. And then we comforts him without comforting him at all. The um, Elise's body's still in bed. Lawrence Fishburne's like, take your time, we can really talk, you talk. If you don't feel like it, go downstairs. Well, no, you don't talk, they'll be downstairs. Oh, no, he's talking with Graham. Lance Fishman's like, you let me know when you want to discuss this so I can further my acting career. <laughs> and we're just like, I don't, I'd rather not. Bright lights outside, trying to trigger an epileptic fit in where so he watches the um, dad hype vent like, a bunch of neighbours are like, man, we heard, we heard about cat, we're so sorry. And police are like, will you fuck off? <laughs> Will is looking at at least his body. Um... And then he's outside, and he's like, I need to process this. So we get the chiming clock effects again, as Will is going into Graham mode. And he's like, hmm, how would I have done this if I had done it? And she's got two marks on her chest, and then cuts back, and she's lying in bed, and she's alert. 
And we Graham's like, hmm, it's golden tinge. And the woman sort of relaxes her chest a bit, takes a deep breath. She's asleep. And Wiz like, jumps on her. It's not choking. And she's like, no, no. And he's like, I have to. I have to ring up murder. And she's like, why? Why are you? And Wiz's like, it has to be me. There's no one else. There's, there's no one else, especially not a woman named Clary Starling. So a cop disrupts his focus and goes, hi, Wee Graham. You wrote a paper on insect activity and I found antler bathing two of the wounds. Are they connected? Wee's like, I don't fucking know. What are you talking about? I'm trying to reenact murder. And she's like, what? Wee's like, no, look, I'm not an FBI agent. They were screening procedures. I'm um, unstable. And she's like, clearly... And Lawrence Fisher is like, get the fuck out of it. So like, I'm a cop, you're an actor. And she, he's like, don't you talk down for me, I'm your superior. And then the two um, forensics guys are like, hey, we're the wacky comic relief. Oh, they murdered her like they'd murder a fox or a coyote. And Lawrence Fisher is like, she would strangle stuff, get ribs broken. And we're just sort of like, look, you morons. None of you are actual cops. I'm a close thing to a cop here. He wanted to undo damage. And Lawrence Fishburne's like, he wanted to heal her. And, Wee Graham's like, no, undo damage. What are you talking about? He wanted to preserve the body. He starts getting really angry. And they cut him off before he can say Lance Fishman's not a cop. So Lance Fishman's like, is this the golden ticket? Is this the Willy Wonka? And it's like, no, what? this is an apology. Why are you here? <laughs> he's like, can I get a fucking aspirin? And then he's on plane. And he's... um popping the aspirin like Tic Tacs. And he's like, I'm in a room with two frenzy officers, a trainee cop and fucking Lance Fishburne. I'm sick of the shit. So he's driving and he finds a dog on the side of the road. And we're just like, hey, dog, 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 doggy, dog, 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 dog. Good dog, good dog, good dog. And he sits and says, like, come for you, doggy. Doggy, dog, dog. And doggy's like, I want none of this shit. Go away. And we're just like, oh, man, I can't. Not even dog wants to hang out with me. It's bullshit. So he drives a bit further and then comes back and he's got some food and so like hey dog 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 doggy 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 dog runs over oh, I'm hungry and we say I know come here come here I got more food come here come here and dog's like oh I'm really hungry thanks hey you're okay mister we say hey I need to give you a bath and dog's like no please and we like no no you you need to have bath you're disgusting you've got rats you've got fleas so then he hair dries the dog and dog's like oh man what's what's this shit and Wiz just sat outside with the dog in cage and calls it Winston. And there's loads of dogs and they're all like, hey, Winston. And, like, <laughs> and Wiz's like, shut the fuck up. And the dog's like, I'm sorry, Wiz. <laughs> I'm sorry, Miss Graham. And Winston's like, I won't play with the other dogs. And Wiz Graham's like, no, no, you can't. You might have some infectious disease. And the dog's like, Winston's like, please. And then it's the next day and Wiz's lying in bed. And dogs are all in the living room. They were lying in bed by fire. That place must fucking stink. Wee Graham's asleep and he's like, if only I could have reenacted that murder properly. But a cat woke me up. And he turns and Elise is in bed with him. And Wee's like, no, this, this didn't happen. I remember this. And she's bleeding profusely from Jess. And Wee's like, no, please, please don't bleed. And then she's levitating. She's levitating, yeah. And Wee's like, my fucking imagination. Why do I take aspirin? He wakes up in cold sweat. And he's like, if only they let me reenact that murder properly. There's a water effort. Oh, maybe he pissed himself. I don't know. He takes off his shirt. And he's um, 
puts a blanket over himself and he's hyperventilating. He's like, I don't, I don't want to do this. Murder or no murder, I don't want to play it anymore. And Lance Fishburne's in his office, he's trying to connect all the dots and he's like, fuck, shit, I don't, I need a script. I can't do this. So he storms out. Will's waterboarding and saving an office. And there's blood everywhere. And he's washing... Oh, no, he's washing makeshift blood off his face. And he's like, fuck. Long Fishman walks in. Will's like, why are you here? And Long Fishman's like, I like some of urinal cake. And then urinal cake. And then Officer walks in. He's like, get out! And the officer does. And he's like, we need to talk about acting stuff. I'm a good actor, aren't I, Will? Will's like, yeah, sure, okay. He's like, yes, good, because I can act like a cop and we can catch this guy, but need you in the saddle. Will's like, yeah, okay, I'll be in the saddle, but he's confused over what direction he's pointing, and Lawrence Fishman's like, for fuck's sake, mate, okay? Will's playing, I don't know this kind of psychopath. I don't know if he's a psychopath. He's not insensitive. He's not shallow. Lawrence Fishman's like, you know shit, tell me shit, otherwise you wouldn't have said this is an apology. What's he apologising for? Will's like, well, he couldn't honor her, he feels bad. Lawrence Fishman's like, but psychopaths don't feel bad. Will's like, I know! And Lawrence Fishman's like, yeah, what the fuck is going on? I need a script for this, okay? I'm an actor. Will explains the shit. And Lawrence Fishman's like, you think he, you think loves him? And Will's like, I think he loves one, and by association, yes, he has some form of love for the others. Lance Fishburne's like, but you didn't fuck her. She died a virgin. And Will's like, no, that's not how he's loving them. You wouldn't disrespect them that way. And Lance Fishburne's like, I, I, way over his head at this point. He's regretting taking on this role. He looks really, really confused. He's like, I, I don't understand. Uh, what? <laughs> Can you bear with me a second? I'm going to send, uh, uh, I'm going to phone the Wachowski's siblings up and I'm going to get them to write me some dialogue and we was like look can you just act like a cop for a second what would a generic Hollywood cop say and then we cut to forensics uh, investigating the um, dress for fibres and shit and they pull out a tone a nail of some kind and Cats is like oh Cats to the rescue so they start investigating what they found and um yeah. And um oh, a woman who fits the profile, a very very happy looking young woman, runs up to her dad wearing hat and you know, I think one of them might be the bad guy. So what Quantco, Virginia and Lance Fishman speaking to psychiatrists about Wynn, and she's like, I can't really tell you anything. And he's like, please, I, I'm, I'm observing him. There's speculation that they're going to make a movie about Wee Graham's life. And she's like, no, see, I'm his friend. I'm not going to tell, tell you anything. And Lance Fishman's like, look, I can win Oscar for this. I can play Wee Graham. I can win Oscar. And she's like, look, you know, you'd have to shoot movie after he's dead because he would suit shit out of you. And... He really also needs help crowd his case, and she's like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" So she breaks her uh, oath to not reveal information, and asks Jack what she thinks Will's greatest motivator is. It's fear, and he goes, he, "He's afraid of shit," he, and she's like, "No, no, he's not just afraid of shit. He's afraid of everything." And Lawrence Fishburne's like, "No, no, look, I will work with him if I didn't think I 
handle it. I can do 80% of this performance. And Lon Blue's like, no, you can't do any of this performance. You're nothing like him. And so Fisher's like, look, if I think it's going that far, I won't work with him anymore. She pr- asked him to promise that they won't get, that he won't get too close to Will. Because if it gets too close to Will, and if he starts taking on Will's personalities, then Will's going to take on Lance Fishburne's, and he's going to think he's a Hollywood actor. And this guy's seriously got issues. He can't be a Hollywood actor. So Ferenz, it's uh, doing uh, piss-poor work, um, just making up shit, and Will's like, for fuck's sake, I know what this is. He's like, look at Plumber Steamfitter's tool workers. Because I'm a cop and you guys sit here all day and do fuck all. You're not solving this case. I solved this case. I'm in here two seconds and I figure this shit out. And they're like, you're really moving asshole. We looks in the blood and it's so black that he sees Elise's body hovering in midair with antler marks through her gut. And bleeding everywhere. And then she looks up and he's still like, no, I don't want to see this. I don't, this isn't murder. So... Friends, it's like, well, she's not good. And, but dear, it did, did do it, but was responsible for it. And we was like, she's mounted on it like a hook. And they're like, oh, her liver's removed. And we was like, oh, he took it out and then he put it back in. And they're like, why did he do that? And we was like, he, he didn't like meat. And then they formed conclusion that Elise had lift cancer. We was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't tell you. Um, the, the guy in question's a Campbell. And they were like, what? And then we cut to classical piano music. And, oh, man, here we go. Here we go. It's the raw meat-eating, wheeling-dealing, wheeling-dealing, some of the gun. It's Hannibal Lecter. And he's eating disgusting meat with a smug smile on his face. And he's like, mmm, that's good human. Mm-hmm. It's the devil himself, people. It's Merth Mickelson, y'all. <laughs> and that's literally the app break. Is a shot of Merth Mickelson, Hamble Lecter, eating food. And laying like, mmm, that's good human. And then we cut to a... F- uh, Potato man in Hannibal's office who's crying and begging Hannibal for assistance. And Hannibal's like, how can these assholes pay for me? And why do they have no class? He hates being this neurotic. And Franklin's like, and Hannibal's like, Franklin, look, if you weren't neurotic, you'd be something even worse. So, And then gets really angry that Franklin puts his used snotty tissue on the test. Hannibal has um, standards. He starts describing what anxiety is and sort of like, you're, you're very anxious, Franklin. You feel like a lion will on verge of devouring you. And, Fra- and Hamble's like, which will happen soon. Apparently he has to convince himself that lion's not in his room, despite that Hamble left is clearly lying. But he says, when the lion is in his room, I assure you, oh, foreshadowing. Love that Hamble makes no attempt to hide he's a serial killer. Lance Fishburne walks in and goes, oh, Dr. Lecter. We need to have a chat. And Hannibal's like, no, you're, you're an actor. And Lawrence Fishburne's like, I'm Special Agent Jack Crawford. And Hannibal's like, um, okay. Franklin, waiting, waiting. I, I need to speak to Lawrence. I mean Jack Crawford. 
<laughs> Admiral's like, what, what, what do you want? And they make, he's thinking, are they making a move about me? Do they know what I really did? Or they just want to make a... The Coen brothers want to make a move about me? And Lance Fishburne's like, oh, I, I, I'm Jack Groffin. I'm, I'm not Lance Fishburne. And he's like, of course you are. So Hamble's like, well, what do you want? And Lance Fishburne's like, I have to ask you a few questions. And so I, um, okay. <laughs> Hamble's like, uh, how how can I how can I get away with with murdering Lance Fishburne and eating him? This would be my this be my dream. Hamble's <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not, but I'm not going to get away with it. Clearly, I mean. They start looking at drawings of um, Hannibal boarding school in Paris, and Hannibal's like, "It'd be great, great for a movie, wouldn't it?" And Lance, I don't know. So he starts using scalpel shaved pencils. As Long Fishburne is like, "I looked you up on Wikipedia," <laughs> and Hannibal's like, um, uh, "Are you stalking me?" And he's like, "No, no, no, no. I went to Alarm Bloom," and Hannibal's like. Yeah, psychology, psychologists are deviants. Seth Dr. Bloom. Lance Fishman's like, oh man, I, I won't get into your bat story. And Hannibal's like, this guy's not blaming the fucking movie, right? <laughs> he starts for a sighting shirt and Hannibal's like, yes. And then he scribes safe as a layman and Hannibal's like, a layman question mark? Um... You, 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 you're not a layman. And the Lost Fishburne's like, well, why am we? I'm in your company. And Hamble's like, dude, you li- you're in fucking Matrix. You're in Matrix. What the fuck? You're not a layman. You're a rich man. Why are you here? He's like, I need to make a move about Wee Graham. I'm brain character. I need to make this move. I need your assistance. We need him to crack this case. And then I'll take it. We'll make a move out of it. And Hamble's like... But he needs to believe that I'm an actual cop. And Hamble's like, he's not going to believe you're a cop. And we Gra- and then they're in Weed Graham, the office, and they're talking about how much they all hate Freddie Lowndes. Cause she- and Lord Fishburne neglects sex because she gave a bad review of him in um, uh, John Wick 2. Hamble with a tense meet you. Um, discussing that Weave doesn't like eye contact because he thinks the eye's distracting. See too much, don't see nothing's half focused when you're thinking. And Hamble's like, you're batshit insane, but you have nice eyes. And Weave starts rambling about hepatitis and birth veins. And Hamble's like, the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and Hamble's like, no, see, but the eyes are awesome. And then he explains why the eyes were awesome. we has got that look on his face and it's like, my God, if I was into foreign skinny Campbells, oh man. But he uncovers and goes, is he working my profile? And Hanbull's like, no, see, I can't shut my mind off. I'm a psychiatrist. And Weir's like, please don't psychoanalyze me. You won't like me when psychoanalyzed. And Lance Fisher's like, ha ha, that's from the incredible TV show. And Weir Hanbull gave him a look like, no. We storms off, he's going to give lecture on psychoanalysis, and Hamble's like, yeah. Lance Fishburne tries to say Hamble how to do his job, and Hamble's like, well, I don't fucking tell you how to act. 
and, and Lauren Fishman's like, what? No. See, can we just pretend I'm a cop? And Hample's like, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll give it four weeks. Four weeks. I'll treat you like a cop, okay? And then he starts talking about how Will Graham getting no Campbell. He thinks he can assist with to know Campbell's face and then cuts to black. So then the crow, car, 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 crows are pecking at um, human skin. And they're like, car, car, and oh man, another woman to be mounted on a pair of antlers and cops ferry the um, crows away. But why weren't they already, they were already there. But then they let crows pet for like 10 seconds and then ran in. So Will is like, I won't be here. And Lance Fishman's like, I know it's messed up, but they're calling this killer in Minnesota Strike. And Graham's like, like the bird? And one friend's guy's sort of like, oh, yes, she impaired with mice and lizards on foreign branches and barbed wire. And Will's like, we don't need no end for this. The guy just won't shut the fuck up. And Katz is like, Jesus, shut up. And Lance Fishman's like, this is really poor. This would be poor writing if this was a movie. Will talks about how this is a copycat in the poor one at that either a poor copycat or a brilliant copycat poor because it's really shameless or brilliant because it's leading them down false track so he took out the lungs while the patient was alive and then we see Hamble let the they're not even going for suspense we know he, he's one of the Campbells but he's literally cutting up lungs. Like, they're not even trying to go down the route of revising the material so he's not bad guy in some cases. Apparently, they point out that Hannibal's part of Campbell, Hannibal's um, copycat killer, Minso Shrike, is a shit. He's a pig. He doesn't love women. And he's pointing out that the least one had no interest in, in, in field kabuki. He had a house or two or a cabin, something around the And guys point out at this point, no, I love procedurals. I love the idea of watching cops crack cases and all of that. And I really love the, um, uh, Ed, oh shit, um, Brian Cox. No, no, the, um, Ed Norton and William Peterson. I love Manhunter and I love them um, Red Dragon, their portrayal of Weed Graham, because I thought it's really great case of procedural, um, Cop investigation, and I love the fact that they're these guys who can look into the mind of other of killers and things like that and track down bad guys. And I love them for Manhunter, for how matter of fact it was, and Red Dragon for how slightly gothic it was. Like, um, Science of Lambs was also slightly gothic, and it's this brilliant thing of seeing police investigate crimes, which is fascinating to me. It's probably the most interesting part, but I love this one because it's got more of a dreamlike, surreal, abstract quality to it where it's it's showing us almost the I what we sees because the other ones it wasn't so much about we've seen crimes I mean we're seeing extent but we use this thought process you know or in, we saw this thought process we didn't see the visual CGI examination of it whereas this one goes more into letting us see exactly what we Graham sees which is haunting also, visually, it's really interesting and sets it apart. It gets Brian Fuller a lot of work with. And it's one of the things he's um, struggled with on some of his other projects. I think especially something like American Gods, I remember, got really good reviews and had a similar approach. But 
Um, I think for that, it went away from what Neil Gaiman's book was. And um, I think this goes really to heart the material. Because Thomas Harris wrote amazing books. Really amazing books. Anyway, fuck, we've missed loads. Hannibal Lecter is um, at Will's house and they're eating the breakfast together. And Will's like, yeah, I'll eat what you cook. I'll, I'll eat it. He's very trusting. He's like, I'll eat this raw food. And so I love, this is great. And Hamble's like, really good, isn't it? It's great. They're going to eat these raw eggs. And yet this is their first date. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, shit, I don't even know what you call these guys. Murder Brothers. That's what you call Murder Brothers. I think that's official term later on in the show. And it just turned out Murder Bros eating breakfast. And seriously, like, this is the most amazing. Like, when people talk about how far TV's come, I think this is an exemplification of it because I remember watching um, Sherlock um, season one and they would um, posit with um, uh, Sherlock and Watson, played by Bendit Cumberbatch and um, Martin Freeman. They'd always make jokes about them coming across as like. Um, Come across as gay, but and jokes were kind in some ways kind of funny. It's like two, what two men can't be close and all of that without it being accused of them sleeping together. But in some ways, it was like the approach of people in the um, writers' room and stuff. And Stephen Moffat, and I don't think they meant intentionally, but to poke fun at that and then go, "Well, we'll never actually be together." Where something like this, I think, is quite brave because it's saying essentially, look. The material we're based on is material we're based on, but it was written at a certain time when that sort of thing wouldn't happen. But if you were to make it now, this relationship between Will Graham and Hannibal Lecter always had very, I don't think insidious overtones, but there's always like this connection, unspoken connection between them, like that terrified Will Graham. Um, and you could twist that into like... Um, a sort of um, a sexual relationship. And I think the idea that you're able to, in this day and age, do that, and it's not problematic. And I think that's something, as we get more and more along with these recaps, Brian Fuller's interest in doing things like that, in going, yes, the source material says this, but why can't we change it? This is not a translation. This is an adaptation. In fact, we can get to that point in 2000, uh, this may be years ago, but in fact, in the modern age, we can do that. I mean, we're not progressing as far as we should be because they still this stupid shit about how you can't have, like, um, people getting angry over Spider-Man being black or Wonder Woman being bisexual and Greek or Batman being, I don't know, anything other than a white guy. It's like... Look, if you make these properties nowadays, they don't have to all be white straight characters. Now, not having an agenda, it's just you don't have to do it. And look, I speak as someone who is white and straight. You know, it's you don't. I don't need my exact experience put on screen. That's been put on screen. Don't 
billions of times at this point. Movies and TV shows should be about a diverse group of people and encompass everything. It's not about diversification or any of that shit. You know, or meeting quotas. That offends me. I think anything should be on table as long as it makes for a good story. And that's just, that's my rant. But, you know, to get back to the point, Will and um, Hanborough in office and they're looking up um, uh, details of Logsman and shit. And they're investigating Garrett Jacob Hobbs because um, this woman says he's peculiar. No, no, Will's like, no, 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 I, I, I have hunch. And Hamble's like, I can use this to my advantage. But where is Gout Jacob Hobbs? And she's like, ugh. And Hamble drops some stuff. And then suspiciously, after Hamble all boxes, goes back into the office. As well as dinging things. And then Hamble uses a tissue pickup phone. And he dials a number with his thumb. With his um, knuckle, even. And the phone's picked up by um, Gat Jacob's daughter. And she passes the phone to... Remember, she heard that voice. She passes the phone to Garrett Jacob Hobbs. His caller ID said blocked. He picks up the phone. And then says, hello. And then Hamble's sort of like, Mr. Garrett Jacob Hobbs, yeah? They come and get you. We'll never meet, but they come and get you. Come and get you, Garrett. Come and get you. Come and get you, Garrett. Garrett, they're coming. They're coming. Garrett, are you listening? They're coming. They're coming, Garrett. Garrett, focus. Focus, Garrett. They're coming. Run. They know. Run. Garrett, run. Or you know murder your wife and daughter. But you have to do it in a very specific way. And hands up the phone. And so I hope Will Graham, who's literally 10 feet away from me, did not hear any of that. So Will Graham and is looking at oh shit he's covering blood there must be enough murder and he's like oh fuck I, I really fucked up this time he stood outside and then he's not covered in blood and then sat in car and he is covered in blood and looks traumatized he's like oh no he's not anymore he's sat in car with handball well i mean he always looks kind of traumatized he takes an aspirin well, that's probably not aspirin i'd like to assume he's taking ecstasy he's like i gotta go ahead and then he's like, I'm not going to call back up. I'm going to go alone. And Hamble's like, okay, I'm here. I'll, I'll come in the house. And we're like, no, you're a psychiatrist. And he's sort of like, no, no, I, I can be of assistance. And we're like, please, just stay in the fucking car. Hamble's like, we're... Oh, no. And then Garrett J. Pops pushes his wife out and she's got a slit throat. And he's like, oh, no, I, I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding. We're like, no, no, see, if you bleed from neck, you don't talk. Shut up. And he has to... This actress is like, no, okay, okay, I'll be quiet, I'll die now. And we, we Graham's like, can't, can't immerse anything in his spirits. These actors are terrible. He runs in the house and Hugh dances. So like, get back, character. Go out, Jacob Hobbs. And Hamble looks at bodies like, well, very, very poorly slit neck. And Gat Jacob Hobbs has um, his daughter by the throat and knifed her throat. And then he cuts her throat. Oh, it's Will Shoots. And Gat Jacobs is like, no, I'm going to stay up and shoot some games. And Gat Jacobs is like, you shot me six times, but well, I'm not dead. And he slit half his daughter's throat. And Will's trying to cover up the wound and there's blood everywhere. And the daughter's like, oh, I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. And, we, and 
father's like, do you, do you see? Do you see? And he smiles. Ha, 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 ha. This is your problem now. You raised my child. And Hannibal walks in. He's like, what, what? What, what menace have I wrought? And we're just like, save life. And Hannibal's like, hmm, this is not quite how I thought it was going to go. But this is okay. And Hannibal's like, no, no, it's okay. We're, I'll, I'll stop bleeding. I'll choke her and stop bleeding. And Hannibal's like, wait, why don't you just, why don't you go outside, let grown-ups talk? And we're just like, <laughs> Hannibal's like, wait, just stay calm. It's not the first murder scenario I've walked in on. It's the young woman still alive, barely, but blood everywhere, and hooked up to an IV drip. We're outside, and he's like, I don't, I can't ruin that murder, as this woman is bleeding profusely and has got a real... It's kind of sad because she looks adorable, but she's very traumatized. And ha- why why they let handball the fucking ambulance? And it pulls away, and we grab like, oh, how am I going to explain this on Monday? Lance Fishburne walks in, and he's like, I'm going to interrupt this fucking teaching session. And then, oh shit, we Graham's not there. Alarm Blue's teaching, and she gives him a look like, you fucking asshole. We is never going to grief make a movie now. And Alarm Bloom's like, you said that you weren't, you said that you're keeping safe and that you wouldn't get too close. You got too close. He thought he was in the fucking movie and this happens. Life is not a movie, Jack. Or Lawrence. And Lawrence is like, oh, fuck, okay. And then he walks off. And we're just walking through a hospital in slow motion because life is not a movie, but apparently we Graham's life is coming one. He walks in slow motion, walks into a room, and he's like, I don't know what sort of hospital it is, and he can just walk into a patient's room without someone asking what he's doing. Anyway, this woman's hooked up to a life support system with a tube down her throat, and we're like, oh, Hannibal's there, and he's holding her hand. And why the fuck's Hannibal allowed there, anyway? And we're just like, this, this feels like the movie version of my life, or possibly the TV version. And he sits down, and so like... This must be TV version. Oh shit! It must. It must be three more seasons of this, and we're just like. Ugh. He sits there and he realizes what he signed up for, and he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm just gonna sit in my chair for a while. I'm just gonna sit here and go to sleep," and that's the end of the first episode. Wow. Okay. So that's first Campbell watch. Um. I wow, that was fun. And I will see you guys next week for episode two of Handball Watch. Right, it's time to open the first ever Friday Night Fright box. Yay! Sound of a box opening. Ooh, look inside. There's three items. What are these items? They're all wrapped. I'm going to unwrap the first item now. Item is unwrapped. It's an official Friday Night Fright pencil. Yay! It's it's red and black and it has the words, wait a second, what words? HB? HB? This isn't a fucking Friday Night Fright pencil. This is a HB pencil. Oh, God. Oh, and wait, wait, what? what? Oh, man, what a piece of shit. Okay. Second item, it looks A4 shaped, okay? Item is unwrapped. 
literally, it's a not even laminated. It's just an A4 bit of paper with words Friday Night Fright written on it. What a piece of shit. Wait, they're not even printed. It was written in pencil and it's half smudged. Oh, okay. Wait. This last item has to be good. Has to be good. It's it's DVD shaped. Okay, so going to open that. Wrapping's opened. It's a DVD case. It's a blank DVD case. There's nothing on front. Okay, going to open up. There's nothing inside, okay? Um, except there's a bit of paper. What's the paper say? Disc unavailable. Will send next month. See, at the very least, it can write down what fucking DVD it's going to send. State for these products. I don't know about you, but it doesn't make me want to, but to purchase a Friday Night Fright box. That's staggeringly terrible. Like, I I obviously, as the guy running this podcast, I got it for free. But, I mean, what, what the fuck, you know? <sighs> anyway, look, if you want if you want a Friday Night Fright box, remember, send an email to iaustin.in at gmail.com. Do not send money. Don't send any money. Send an email to iaustin.in at gmail.com. And remember... There is no such thing as a Friday Night Fright box. But we'll try again in four weeks. We'll try again. We'll open another Friday Night Fright box in four weeks. And hopefully the DVD from this month will be in that box in four weeks' time. Okay? So that, that feature will return in four weeks. Right, so plan for my half uh, recap, 50 cent recap um, thing where I do a full movie over two weeks was to do Triangle, but it's not on Shudder anymore, which is fine. Um, I'm on Shudder's new revised app and it's stunning. It's really cool. So I figured, hey, if I can't do Triangle, what should I do? I'll have to do half of Green Inferno. So I'm going to press play now. I apologise if any of you do not like cannibalism. Um, I'll try and be as subtle as possible. Um, as I watch the movie, I would try not to... Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's um, going to be an interesting challenge because this is obviously um, quite a disgusting horror movie. Um yeah. Yeah. 2019. Guys, 2019. So, I would say... My thing is, this isn't really going to be a commentary as such, because I don't really do those. It's going to be me watching a movie and just poking a bit of fun at it, and, but also recapping it as it goes along. Um, so, this is going to be the first 50 or so minutes of the movie. And yeah, it's season two, y'all. If things change, so this is an Eli Roth movie. Um, Eli Roth is a director who I admire. Um, in a lot of ways, I think he's a decent journeyman horror director. I like the fact that he wants to keep to the feel of these movies. We'll make something like this or knock knock. He's not trying to make a conventional good horror movie. He's trying to stick to the confines of genre. In regards to this movie, it's probably one of the better Campbellism ones you're going to find. It's just not a lot of people like Campbellistic horror movies. 
Um, I, for myself, can take or leave them, but I did watch this one. I thought it was okay, but I also thought it's really disgusting. So, but same thing for like Cabin Fever, Knock Knock. He's committing to the genres in question that he's doing. He's making sort of movies that he wanted to watch as he was growing up, and that he did in fact watch as he was growing up. So to that regard, it works. He might not like it, but. It's the sort of movie he wants to make with the feel of sort of movies that he did enjoy watching when he was in his formative years. So I think you have to respect that. So obviously Daryl Sabara is the guy from the kid from Spy Kids, um, Antonio Bandera's um son in that movie, for lack of a better term. And we get shots of the green, green, green. So a lot of these actors aren't that well known. Um, obviously, Lorenzo Izzy was, I believe, his wife, or they met, made this movie, and then got married. Um, she was one of the main... She was one of the two from um, Knock Knock who seduced um, Keanu Reeves. Essentially, Knock Knock, if you view it as a comedy, it's quite funny. It's just... it's weird. Gregory Nicotero's the guy who works on Walking Dead, I believe. He's really good special effects. He also did... um. Shit, from Dust to Dawn and a fair few of Tantino ones. Not sure if he did Grindhouse, but he's really good at special effects. He's good at making play. He's he's pretty much the hair apparent Thomas Savini. Is that Thomas Savini's like my fucking MacGyver? You can give Thomas Savini ten minutes and we'll figure out ways to make a stunning special effect. You know, based on Vietnam where he was, as I learned from the Dawn of Dead various things. So yeah, we're we're tra we're traversing over the greenness, and it's it's a nice shot. He, Eli Roth doesn't get enough credit. Like saying he knows what movies he's making, and he commits to them completely, which doesn't work for everyone. But mostly because I mean, in this day and age, I think it'd do better. He's the sort of guy in the eighties who have been like a staple steady guy you could have had working on something like Friday 13 for one of those franchises who would make the sort of movies that you'd want to make with the sets and violence and all of that. So this is um, a movie which obviously focused on a bunch of smug people. Um, yeah, we've got closed captions on a bunch of smug white people, white privileged people and few, you know, other people. Um, who want to have their um, act like they're members of, you know, Earth and they give shit and stuff like that. And Lorenzo is his character. It's kind of good because Eli Roth doesn't sugarcoat it. She's an opportunistic actor, the same as everyone is. She just joins this group because she wants, she fancies the leader. And she's also a virgin, apparently, which in horror movies saying quite a lot. So her friend wakes up and she's just had, um, you know, she's still got a guy in bed with her and it comforts her and they both look, you know, pissed off there in college. So a bunch of arseholes outside the protesting saying they're going to save the way having hunger strike. And then we get some of that female banter. The same sort of stuff from Grindhouse, which in some ways I don't think this is how people actually talk in real life necessarily all the time but in terms of Hollywood you know you can have characters like this who are a bit trashy there's nothing wrong with that oh, 
So yeah, I mean, they're just having chat and they're... I loved how Eli Roth is happy to just have the hypocrisies of these two caring about the environment and caring about of people, but also casually showing how sort of like rude and trashy and entitled they are. He's not main big thing out of it, but you're just seeing the way that shots have been led and all of that. And they're discussing that, um, no, they, they think that the um, people protesting should be tear gassed waking them up on Sunday, which, you know, yeah, possibly. So now they're talking about how the ringleader could be creepy or charismatic and the blonde friends are like, he's, he's going to mess you up. Don't, don't go for him. As he kisses a woman who shows up. There's no, you might as well not remember names in this movie because they're not really very important. Sounds terrible. So we get a presentation on female genital mutilation. And we see some pictures. Incidentally, if you don't want to watch this movie, that's fine. I'm not really going to describe in detail. But you know, it's the, the white privileged people are like, that's disgusting. And they show, holy shit, that's a massive blade. But apparently, commonly, female genital mutilation is done with a piece of glass. Ugh. I won't go into detail. Again, I'm not going to go into too much detail in case you don't want to watch this movie. You just want to listen to someone watching it. So Casey hides hands to like, why do they do that? What's the point? And woman's like, we, they, they have different culture, have different rules. And everyone's like, that's fucking bullshit. And she's like, I'm just teaching it. And the uh, Lorenzo is sort of like the ambassadors be doing stuff out. My father's a lawyer at UN, maybe get involved somehow. And teacher's like, Will you shut up. Shut the fuck up and let me teach my class. This shit happens abroad. It's a global problem. You need every lawyer in UN to stop it. Moving on, because you're not going to get every lawyer in UN to stop it. And now let's discuss ants. So the two ladies discuss how that is a safe sets promotion. You know, that would teach them to have safe sets. So then the blonde walks off as a guy walks up and hands um, uh, Lorenzo is his character a flyer and sort of like, come join us. Alejandro asked you to. Alejandro, yeah, he's a motherfucker who's playing guitar at the start of the movie. There he is talking to Chancellor of the University. You should come. We can hang out. And Lorenzo is also like, I'm just saying, if we're attacked by cannibals, they're, they're going to eat you first, dude. And he's sort of like, no, no, I'm, I'm quick. And she's like, no, they're really going to eat you first. No. And besides, they're making deal with Jantus. So let's hang. And she's like, well, if they're making deal about Jantus, remember, don't think, act. And then he walks off. And Blonde Casey comes back and... I, I don't know why I know her name, not main characters. Casey comes back and so like, you're not seriously going to go to this shit. And Lorenzo's sort of like, I'm acting, I'm acting. And classic Eli Roth line where Casey says, good, because that is so fucking gay. You know, like, it's terrible. So bad. But at the same time, the, I can believe that these characters would say something like that. You can have characters speaking in an incredibly inappropriate way, and it works. Anyway, we've got a guy who looks like fucking Adrian Pasta, aka Nathan Trade of Heroes, telling Lorenzo, you know, 
I'm I'm a lawyer. I'm not I'm not going to fucking this country sort this shit out. There are rules. We can't go invade country because they're doing something that we think is illegal or moral anymore. And Lorenzo's like, why not? And he's like, well, where's your necklace? He's like, it's in my dorm room. He's like, really? And she's like, no, it's safe. He's like, your mother made that of your grandmother's saver. Yes, I know. I forgot to wear it. Yes, that's what we told you. She made that of something different, Lorenzo. Apparently, it's much love family heirloom. <laughs> I don't know what floor this is. She can't practice in the dorm room, apparently. You should play on the street. People throw change at me. Yes, but you'd be making profit. This is riveting. <laughs> She's got mad, crazy eyes. I, I really am wondering whether this scene for two of them was recorded at the same time. Because they're not in shot at the same time. And I know that's not what young ones have to be, but these two really aren't. Oh, and Casey's there, apparently. Oh, now we get shot from all three of them. And Casey's like, Kai takes some bread, and he's like, I don't, I don't give a shit. Why is she even there? So later on, at a Hungarian pastry shop, Alejandro is sort of like, have you ever had fancies of saving a dime tribe? And everyone looks at him, you're not Irish, mate. And he's sort of like, well, encroaching civilization, opportunities, fantasy, reality. And it bat Lorenzo is sort of like, what? She looks vacant. Apparently in two weeks, an untouched jungle, the Peruvian Armenian, be destroyed forever and so were natives inside it. Companies want the natural gas and ground under villages, so GPS location, bulldoze the homes. And kill the natives, eh? Ancient tribes, boy, <laughs> I don't know why I'm acting like he's Irish. He's not a very good actor, anyway. <laughs> or maybe I'm not, I don't know. That's actually a thing. Is it actors are bad, or is it the takes they're chosen for them bad? Because a bad take can ruin an actor. And Andre focuses on Lorenzo and sort of like, you speak with such insolence, you can leave. <laughs> Go. Well, that's a short movie. Okay, I'll see you next week. Oh, wait, no, it's not stop, stopped. She's still sat there. No, she looks confused. Everyone's like, you should leave. And she's like, okay, I don't need to fucking be here. And then, um, fucking, uh, let's call him Bert, Bert, let's call him Bertie. I don't know, fucking Bertie. So like, come back. She's like, no. And he's like, oh, anyway, thanks for coming. I mean it. I'm going to sit down now, have some Hungarian food. Is there anything more douchebag hipster than we're a bunch of environmentalists? We're going to save the planet. Also, we're going to have some Hungarian food. Like, I I think people brought in their horizons food are great, but that really, the whole nature of that comes across as a douchebag hipster movement. It really does. Anyway, Lorenzo pulls out the incredibly cheap-looking necklace from her grandmother past her mother and past her, and she's sort of like, doesn't say anything. And then she's walking next to her scarf, and she finds Alejandro. And she's like, look, I need to go. The movie can't continue until I go. And he's like, I don't care. It doesn't make any sense. You are a jokester. We're serious people. She's like, look, mate, the movie literally cannot continue until I team up with you. And she, he's like, look, 
Yeah, but it really doesn't make any sense. You are a liability to the mission. And he's like, fine, what course do you care about? Do you have any characterization beyond what little I see? She's like, I care about women's rights in Africa. And he's like, you're a white woman. You are not going to tell them that's wrong because they'll mess you up. But then he says, well, maybe if the media got involved, maybe if you could get media involved, if the media got involved, then maybe this movie could continue. You have to shame them. Whoa, wait, wait a second. Shame? I, I, I think I and many of the people I know could teach this woman about shame. That's really inappropriate. I'm very sorry about that. So this is the... Oh, there's a picture of Che Guevara in the background. Yay! The man who every douchebag, hipster prick on planet wears a t-shirt and doesn't have a fucking clue who he actually was or what he stood for. Because if they did, they wouldn't wear the fucking t-shirt. You can mass produce a bunch of bullshit and portray it as heroism, but it's still bullshit. It fucking pisses me off when people do that. But in this case, it works because these people are literally douchebags. And there's Spy Kid who's talking about shit. And there's a bunch of dolls stabbed to the wall. I'm not even going to remember half these characters, by the way. It really doesn't matter. They're literally... This group is this big because they need lots of people to get eaten in horrible ways. This is not hostel where there's literally three people. Four free people... The three main characters. This is. We're going to have a fuckload of people. Because these pieces of shit. Need to get eaten by fucking cannibals. These unlikable human beings. Who Eli Roth isn't even trying to make them likable. He literally just wants to spend enough time. Making these people awful people. So when they get eaten you feel bad. Because you don't really like you, you can relate in some ways to the Campbells because they treat Campbells it's like um I've never seen the Campbell Holocaust but I've read the script and that was a fucking mistake but at some point I'll do a ring of that well in that movie the it plays with the idea of like who's right I guess to an extent because the production crew treating Campbell's like shit to such an extent that Campbell's turned back on them to an extreme extent. But it's like, you just stop and think, would, would this have happened if the crew wasn't such, if production crew weren't so horrible and nasty and making shit up for their documentary? You know, murdering animals, murdering people and that sort of thing. Whereas a similar way, these safe and tight people go to another country and tell them how to live. You know, that's just, it's so misguided. And the idealism isn't even there. It's just so ludicrous. And again, I'm not endorsing Campbellism, but because you, you can't, it's dis- it is murder, it's disgusting, it's, you know, desecrating human flesh. It's, te- it's horrible. But if you... It's just the idea that you go into enough country and tell them how to act and then get surprised when they took umbrage with it. It's like... Well, that's fine. And when Casey survives the movie, that's good because she's the most likable character so far. 
She looks, all she looks, looks a bit negative, is tired, and she acts a bit trashy, but that's fine. She's good. She's a good little actress, actually. She could have played Lorenzo. But then again, I suppose she didn't want to. She got better part. Because Lorenzo's a shit part. It's not even a fucking name, is it? Anyway, lively guitar music plays. And the plane takes off. And then lands. That's quick. I can't believe that in some ways I just defended a bunch of cannibals. I mean, this isn't real, but... No, that's still a weird thing. That's why I love making this podcast, because whereas in life would you have to be like, not that I'm defending Campbell's, but wait, Alejandro meets a pilot and he's speaking Spanish. And look, we got loads and loads of people. And Carlos, he's the man. He's going to fly a plane. And we've got so many fucking people who are going to die. A quarter of these people are going to die when fucking plane crashes. Incidentally, I'd never do this, by the way. I'm all, I'm all for environmentalist, environmentalism. Um, you know, all for environmentalism, but I've never, I'd never go to any of these countries, and mess, especially get involved in shit with the crew. You know, with tribe, never do it. Anyway, the um, Carlos and um, Alejandro discussing how Lorenzo, she's such a virgin, because you know. In this movie, all characters have to be complete douchebags, even more than usual. Spy Kid is saying that um, Bertie's a fat guy in love, and he's like, that's sad as shit. And Spy Kid's like, my, my dad was Antonio Banderas. Oh, and there's there's blonde woman who's taking lots of tablets. And a redhead hands her a bag. And they're like, oh, no, no, I don't need a bag. Small planes make me nervous. It was like we're going to crash. You are going to crash, love. Apparently, Carlos is their sponsor. The one making their dream reality. If this is your fucking dream, mate. Jesus Christ. Apparently, they're going to get this issue global. Global recognition awareness is um, as a bearded man. And Lorenzo's like, what? Why? This doesn't make any sense. How can they afford to fund our trip? And then the guy across the is like, oh, are you saying he's a drug dealer? And Bertie's like, no, she didn't say that. And the guy's like, yeah, I know. Thanks. Oh, apparently his name's Jonah. Oh, and a bunch of douchebags go west as they're walking and walking. And oh, they f- Jonah thinks he sees Brad Pitt. Wait, what? Alondra says, welcome to jungle. Guns and roses, motherfucker. But no guns and roses, please. Oh, apparently the redhead and blonde. Oh, they're in a relationship and they hug. It says, you're in your seatbelt. I've got you. So Spike is sort of like, Carlos, I need some weed, mate. And Spike and Carlos are like, I got you, bro. I got you, bro. And see, oh, these awful, awful people. We don't seem to have lost a few since they got off the plane. Anyway, they're going in their little um, fucking bike wagons, I guess. Being driven through a disgusting looking town. (sighs) 
Lorenzo keeps staring at Carlos and Alejandro. As Ethnos looks around place and says, Oh, wow, look, this is awesome. And they're taking photos like smug tourists. These people are the worst. I've done my traveling thing, by the way. I loved it. I, I've been to a fair few countries, but I just don't. I mean, I, there are places I won't go, but the whole act of going and traveling and backpacking shit like no desire to do that i'm too old for that shit same thing for camping i would stay in a fucking hotel that's what i won't do i won't sleep in a bed i don't want to sleep on fucking ground i'm too old for that shit this ain't wild west i'm not doing it anyway lorenzo stares at someone who's cutting into fruit and he looks at her and she looks at him and she starts thinking oh i've remembered about the fgm um, so the blonde says to jo- Jonah, oh, I've had my shot. And Jonah's like, no, it's not 100% effective. But there is an awesome bug spray and there's DET. So blonde sprays all over and she gets all nice and shiny. Yeah. She sprays a bit of it on Jonah and then she goes back to stuff. And they, oh, Carlos gives Spy Kid this weed. And Carlos was like, no, it's on me. It's Peruvian, very strong. Spike is like, awesome, man. My dad won't let me drink this. So someone throws um, a T-shirt at Lorenzo. And they're all, oh, they set up a stream app on their phones. So make sure your phones are charged. Yay. Technology. They must be on Twitch. So one of the lesbians says, oh, I have photos on my phone. Spike is sort of like, yeah, you guys see him and just sort of like half campus, mate. Knock yourself out. Apparently, as Andrew is saying, cameras are the only defense against, um, you know, being shot. Because Spike is sort of like, I thought militia was like a myth. And he's like, are you dumb? They're real. They might murder us. And Andrew's like, yeah. He says that they're not going to get guns because cameras are their guns. Alejandro, you don't know what a gun is, do you? What's wrong with this guy? As this group of them, they shoot one, they'll have to kill all of us. And everyone is just like, we didn't sign up for this shit. And he's like, you literally did. Why? Where do you think we were going? What do you think we were doing, you stupid, saving tiled idiots? He's, he right points out, nobody's forced you to join us and nobody's forced you now. If you don't want to be here, fuck off. Like, he's literally being utterly reasonable at this point. He's all like, look, okay, you should have known about this in advance. You didn't, but you can leave now if you want to. No one leave, fine. Their their shit that happens to them is on them because they knew that there were guns involved and they had suspicion, I'm sure of it, that possibly the people were there would be cannibals because there's slight uncurrents of racism going on with this little group here. And those uncurrents of racism... Make me sure that someone in that group thought maybe we shouldn't go, maybe they'll eat us. And they're not mentioning it, but I'm sure a fair few of them thought it. And for like, what? It's terrible. They shouldn't have those thoughts because they're racist, but at the same time, they turn out to be correct. So maybe they should have listened to their guts, you know, owned up to how racist they were and not gone in the first place. But anyway, a bunch of people carrying them. Um, uh, a bunch of wood to make some uh, crosses for crucifixion, I guess. And everyone jumps in the boat. And it's all a mad rush. It's like, we got to go, go, go. 
and we get great banter about a language in Kirkishia, which apparently isn't language, it's singer. God, I love podcasting. You have to give you, like, rough, rough props, and he's a co-writer. Because they're going a long time without anyone being viciously eaten. It's quite impressive. So we're about 25 minutes in. Um, so about 25 so minutes left, and then this part will be about done. Bearded Captain Birdseye says that Lorenzo shouldn't use her camera. She'll run that battery. And he says, oh, I was here about Alejandro. Three years ago, but we never went this far. We got a card on the core. He's like, what? He's like, we, we caught a lot of cod that day. But now, ha ah, we've gone much further. We're going to catch a king card. <laughs> Jonah starts talking, like, shut up, Jonah. Spy Kids is like, I, I need shit. I really need shit. I'm so near shit. Problem near shit right now. And Lorenzo's like, I'd like to use toilet too. And Carlos is like, do, do you not understand? There are no toilets. You're shitting in the middle of nowhere, in the woods. What's wrong for these people? So they give Spy Kid a machete um, to murder snakes if need be. Lorenzo runs off with machete. And they, manage, they find the gun that... Because they don't have any more shades. So they give Carlo they give Spike a gun and he runs off to take a shit or piss or whatever. Seriously, this is kinda of amusing. Spike is like, I really need piss and so I'm gonna go by you and Lorenzo's like, I wanna see your dick. Fuck off. And he's like, Oh shit, I forgot, you know, there are rules in forest. So she's trying to piss or poo or whatever, I don't know. So we hear animal noises and Spy Kid pulls out his dick and this is an Eli Roth horror movie so in second we're going to see some of that because why not. Yes, we're going to see him actually tear piss. I wonder if the actor knew he was actually on camera doing that and where he gets his fluttering orgasm eyes as he pisses and then fucking tarantula crawling towards his dick. Lorenzo runs out, hopes she cleaned off her fucking hands. We hear gunfire, Spike is firing at the tarantula, and then he runs for his life. Oh, he cleaned his fucking hands too, the nasty, nasty piece of shit. He runs into the boat, and oh man, they, they, the guy puts a gun. Why would you put a gun there? He puts it right down front of his pants. Oh, they're using hand lotion. Anyway, why would you put a gun down front of your pants? You have a very high possibility that you'll shoot your dick off. You know? That's not pleasant. I've seen Tarantino movies. If you shoot your dick off, it's not pleasant. Anyway, Bertie is looking at um, signs, uh, rocks and shit like that, and taking pictures. And Carlos explains, oh, Black Panthers, the... um, Oh, there's Black Panther, Black Jaguar line there. So, like, Black Jaguar is the protector of Wakanda. It's like, no, it's not. That's Black Panther. And Jaguar's like, you guys shouldn't. Like matching Jaguar's lunes, like you guys shouldn't come this far. You're all gonna be eaten. Even I avoid the cannibals. That's the point. Would they live in harmony? Would the black jaguar live in harmony with the cannibals? Because they wouldn't eat. They they're not hunting 
animals, they're hunting humans, they're killing their own humans. You know, so it's fascinating. It's like, could they, could the um, cannibals own the tiger? Would the tiger be completely domesticated? Because it knew they weren't going to eat it. And as long as it didn't eat them, they'd be fine with killing whatever it wanted. It's quite interesting, really. Like the rules of cannibalistic tribes. And we are fucking righteous, sub-lost pack of losers. Imagine these fuckheads start as the main characters and stuff like Lost. Jesus Christ. So everyone's taking off their tops and putting on their t-shirts. Lorenzo hides her back to do it. It's like, they've seen tits before, love. Seriously, like... So apparently um, the blonde takes off... Oh, they're giving Carlos all their passports. And taking off all backpacks and shit like that. And putting on hard hats so they look like construction workers. I don't... This this is a really bad plan. This is, this is the equivalent of one of Jack's plans off Lost. Oh man, imagine, imagine recapping Lost every week. Fucking hell, that'd be amazing. So our fearsome bunch of ragtag rebels hear animal noises. They look very concerned. What Lorenzo does at any rate. Seriously, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go and picnic with these bunch of morons. Alejandro is like, I, he hears a whirring and he's like, this is the spot, let's go. Let's get, let's get it done. So our bunch of construction working, blue hat wearing piece of shit, here are honking and they're seeing that they're going to clear out this entire area and murder the tribe. So Bertie is like, no, so Cat Berto is like, nothing's going to happen. As a um, construction worker looks at them and nods. So they all put masks on, it's not about the individual, it's about the cause. And now one face, and that face is a generic mask. And they're going to make history. Longest Campbell movie to be released, I guess. And where construction crews are eating food and shit, and don't notice a bunch of people walking to frame wearing the same outfits, who clearly weren't there two minutes earlier, and aren't wearing fucking masks. So our team um, have infiltrated this construction site, with ease somehow and they decide they're going to lock themselves through the trees and set off oh no not set off anything they they got padlocks and shit so really oh the padlocks and chains are inside the little cases they had so they give Lorenzo a lock well this is going to go badly When you pair people up, you know, properly, and where Adelandro puts the lock on, well, stop them just taking masks off, by the way. Oh, they've got Save Amazon written down. Yeah, I'd Save Amazon. Their prime delivery is fantastic. Um, Lorenzo's too stupid to actually be able to get locking, 
screams for Kara, and Kara's like, no, I'm not going to, fuck off. Why? So I don't understand why you teach it. Say save Amazon.co.uk. Lorenzo can't get lock in. And she's clearly been messed with by Alejandro's boyfriend, gay friend, who's like, I'm going to make this uh, drag you away and murder you, which seems a bit harsh. You know? They start screaming, leave. Leave the Yages alone. Leave nature alone. This is the Yages home. Leave nature alone. This is the Yages home. Leave nature alone. This is the Yages home. Leave nature alone. And the militia are like, we're going to murder all of you. We're checking to see whether you've got locks on. And you're locked up, so... I don't understand why they're testing that. Seems very silly. Anyway, Lorenzo's trying to look like she, her lock's on. And Malicious are like, we're going to take you. Your lock isn't on properly, is it? We know your lock isn't on. Come with us. It's like, no, I won't. So they shoot the camera. And they unhook her. They unhook her. And they put a gun to her head and take off her mask. Zadlander says, don't stop filming. He's sort of like, no, no, raise up your phone, don't stop filming. If they murder her, it'll be live on TV. And he starts talking about the corporation, the murderous corporation that murders and causes problems from Amazon.co.uk. They're about murder a woman whose father works at UN. And Lorenzo's like, that's why he fucking invite me. You pieces of shit. So Lorenzo's like, you absolute twats. And now Lounger's like, please murder, it'll be good for our cause. And Lorenzo's like, don't don't shoot me, you fuckheads. And the militia guy's like, this is so shit. It's like, I'm on fucking camera, mate. I'm on camera, and these kids are recording me, and I just want to shoot her. And I can't. And so day works for the UN, and the militia's like, for fuck's sake. You know what? We're out. The militia has conversation in Spanish. It's like, and then everyone takes their masks off, like morons, like militia. Surely at that point they just shoot everyone because they're no longer being recorded. It's the lens has a frigging nervous breakdown, which you can understand. I mean, holy shit, that's messed up. Captain Birdseye's like, it's bullshit, man. It's fucking bullshit. I wanted some cod. As militia drags Alejandro and team away, and they're like, you're going on boats. You've been arrested. You're going back to fucking... You're going back home. And everyone's like, where's our stuff? And she, F, and cops are like, we don't give a shit. Get on fucking boat. Apparently someone needs some tablets. And she's told to shut up. Lorenzo, oh fuck it, Justine, she's called, looks really broke down. She's really pissed off. And we're panning down, panning down, panning down. And, oh, I thought they are going to do a shot revealing that she pissed herself. But apparently, we've been spared that shot. And Leandro is taking off cuffs, and so is the rest of the team, and they're pushed towards the plane. And Carlos pays off the militia man. Oh, wow. And they're flying back home. Yay, well, that's a short movie. Techno music plays, and so like, we fucking did it. Yay. And so like, Justine almost got shot, you arseholes. You did nothing. And Spike says, man, I was totally going to get raped. I'm not going to get raped now. That's awesome. 
And Bertie's like, we're on, we're on front page of Reddit. CNN tweeted us. And Bertie's like, yeah, but Reddit, Reddit's important. We're so awesome. Fucking front page of Reddit. Apparently, um, the evil uh, complaints already been filed for the illegal exploitation of Amazon.co.uk. They won! Yay! So I think I chill watch up to. I got a bit longer to watch. Just try and end it at right point. Anyway, they're flying, they're flying. And this is one fake. Spike is smoking the doobie, man. And Captain Birdseye's like, you better fucking sort that shit out before you get customs, mate. You better. Because I'm not in fucking prison. I've made a lot of enemies with pirates over the years. And Andrew's like, Justine, you're a hero. And he was, she's like, they're going to murder me. And he was like, you knew the risks. I told you. I literally told you the risks. I told you. And Joe, and Andrew's sort of like... I got you into... I started this movie. Your movie was going nowhere. I'm the reason you're still in the movie. And then he says, look, I told you about guns, you moron. Seriously. Seriously, I, I understand her anger, but she was told that militia would shoot anyone they could. So I don't know whether we might be rooting for Justine at this point because she was literally told you'll be murdered if militia get a chance. So this is not really equivalent Voshanic Fly 815, is it? Justine looks downstairs and goes, yeah, it's beautiful. And then the, the sh plane, it's something in plane explodes in the engine and Carlos is like, fuck, 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 fuck. And the dudes, someone's broke their face slamming to the seat in front and planes turbulence and everyone's screaming oh shit this is such a small cheap plane and Alondra's like oh fuck oh shit oh balls and these two moron pilots about crash a plane oh no and everyone's flying everywhere because planes turning up and down and uh, Spike is like no I want to make Spike is five and Bertie throws up oh and it goes into his eye and oh, they hit a tree. Oh no, I don't want to die. Says someone, they hit another tree. The plane explodes, the bat falls off. Oh no, ah, bike is like, shit. Oh man, someone gets sucked out the back of the plane. Carlos, no, the plane's going down. Ah, plane. And the two pilots are like, me there, sir, me there. And it smashes in ground. Oh man, oh fuck. The pilot gets a fucking pillar or something straight through the face he's got no face oh man that's fucked up and you have pilots bust up jaw and the we a plane fucking um thing stops spinning the engine and some people are still alive alejandro is like oh my god he's so happy it's still alejandro day and um pretty much every character who has a name or description still alive um, Alejandro's woman Cara stuck. Uh, she's stuck in place. Alejandro runs out the plane. He runs around to liberate her, and Bertie's saying, "Justine, we gotta get off the fucking plane. We we gotta get off this shit." She's staggering off the plane. Um, they, Alejandro hits Cara off, and she's bust up. Spy kid, no, some ginger guy emerges with his fucking face. Back to a pole. 
the nice um, nice all-woman couple emerges. Someone else is dead. She looks like her jaw has been destroyed. Pilot shot past face is there. Captain Birdseye jumps out and goes, fuck, all I wanted was some King Cod. Alan just like, Kyra, it's okay. It's okay. We'll survive this. And Spike is like, fuck. He looks up in... In ceiling. Oh no! Oh man! Ginger man got gets his half his head carved by propeller, smacking him in the face. Captain Bowser's like, "Where's my GPS? Where's my cod? Where's my cod?" They're like, "There's no cod. You're in the Amazon jungle, you moron." Apparently, GPS is muted. As Alan just like, "Shut the fuck up. Look for it." Look for the GPS, look for the black box. Cat both sides of the survival kit. Arrgh. They find a, they find the phone. Alondra throws it away. He finds a um, bag and then plane explodes. And Spike is like, what? We're, we're fucked. And you hear scream. Oh, someone falls out of the fucking sky. And crushed into a pole. Oh, man. And Carlos is impaled to a tree. Carlos, No. And Kyra's like, and Andre, we don't actually know what we're doing. We're fucked. And he's like, no, no, it's okay. I, I got this. He hears something. He walks towards something. He walks, walks and goes, shut the fuck up. Listen, he hear instant noise from afar. And Al Andre's like, that's an NA. If we get to it, says Cat Bowser, we can follow it upstream to the construction site. And they hear footsteps. And oh, man. The others are here. Kyra's not like, dude, there's literally people in the jungle. They're coming for us. She's like, we need to leave. Kara thinks somebody's coming. She says hello. And then she's like, don't do that. No, don't, don't engage them. As everyone starts walking forward. And then she's like, don't engage them. Stay together. Kara's sort of like, hello, can you? Oh, she gets an arrow from the throat. Holy shit. The others take her down straight away. And they're firing darts at people. Holy shit. Our captains are down. Bertie's down. Captain Bertie puts hands on his head. He's like, I'll get phone. I'll get phone. GPS. He goes for it. Oh, man. He gets shot. Kara is fucked. She's arrowed straight for her neck. And Alondra's like, I would perform last rites. And they find another arrow ahead. And Alondra's like, no. And then he's hit for sleeping dark. And Justine's running for her life. She's emerging. She's got speed. Oh, no. She gets shot in the back with one of the sleeping darts and the others are like you must lead our leader and that's a good point to end it for now so quite an action pat movie um go about um, hour or so left i i guess 50 or 56 minutes something but that was 50 percent of green inferno I thought i'd give you a taste of the movie because next time it's going to be war to war cannibalism so We'll be picking up next week. Hello, this is Ian Austin saying, Oh shit, we've run out of time in first season two premiere of Friday Night Fright. It's been great premiere. Unfortunately, wasn't able to get to the minute recap of the movie. But hey, maybe next week. And remember, this is going to be a week series. Next week, we're going to be tackling Handball episode two. And the last 50%, give or take 60%, I guess, of Green Inferno. Also, it's going to be a brand new feature called Vampire News or Horror News or something where I'll give you a breaking news update on some sort of mythological horror-based creature. Maybe there'll be some more reviews, recaps and a bunch of shit I make up on day. Until next time, remember, 
This is Friday Night Fright, where we fright on a Friday night, y'all. And also remember that life is beautiful. This is Ian Austin, signing off for another week.